and welcome to the Album of the Week Club. Each week we take a look at a legendary album through the lenses of three people with different levels of musical knowledge. Does listening to and analysing albums make us appreciate them more? And will it open our eyes to a whole new world of music? Well, let's meet our guests. I'm Martin McDonnell and our resident expert in classic rock, alternative and indie music. Basically all of the stuff with guitars in them. I'm also somewhat of a former music journalist who owns over 500 albums on vinyl. So might might just be qualified for this task. Perhaps. Following Snap Up My Hills is Harry Heath, direct from Sweden. Hello, Hello. Harry. Harry is a big indie head with more eclectic tastes than myself and will hopefully keep me up to date with anything released this century. So how's it going, Harry? Yeah, it's going good. I like the beeps and the boops as well as the guitars. Beeps and boops. Uh, What has has been released this century, Harry? Exactly. Just beeps and boops nonstop. All the boops. And the boops. How many vinyl records do you own? And is it more or less than 500? Uh, It's less. Probably about seven. It's a baby collection. Seven or 700? (laughs) (laughs) It's a single digit number. Okay. And uh, following Snap at my heels there, in the darkened corner of the room, is a man who thought that Second Coming was something that you allowed your wife on anniversaries. A man who thinks that it's odd that the world still mourns that fella out of Labyrinth. He's on resident musical dunce. It's David Wiley. Hello. <laughs> and uh, just to check, did you actually get any of those references? <laughs> yeah, the guy out of Labyrinth is David Bowie. Way, uh, he, we're getting somewhere. He's more well known for playing Nikola Tesla in the film The Prestige. <laughs> he was in Zoolander as well. <laughs> I, and, but no, I didn't get the other one, The Second as, Coming. Presumably second, that's a band. Second Coming was a Stone Roses album. Oh, second one. The second one, yeah. Oh, I see. That's why they called it The Second Coming. There you go. Um, now, these Stone Roses that you're talking about, is that a band as well or is that a garden ornament? Um, bit of both. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, both are defunct nowadays. Um, and the less said about uh, Ian Brown during this pandemic, the better, I think. Yeah, the ornaments can take prominence now. Yeah. Um, All right, then. Let's crack on. <laughs> yeah. So today our album is Meat is Murdered by the Smiths. Um, does anyone like have any background before? listen to this album or is this kind of new to you guys um, um i knew morrissey and the controversy around him but i never listened to the music never listened to the smiths no nah, just that skipped surprised me somewhat yeah i thought you know being a, in the ed um having gone to uni it would have been kind of like prime you know for most people <laughs> you know because <laughs> i was still in the beatles stage <laughs> Late bloomer. <laughs> exactly. Only seven vinyls. There you go. Um, Wiley, I'm guessing you probably haven't heard this album before we did well, this. Well, I knew that we would be uh I mean I, I did the homework, okay. I listened I listened to the <laughs> album that I thought we were gonna be talking about today, but I, I listened to the wrong album. It's Fuck's very, sake, Wiley. That's <laughs> um, one job. This one is very job. embarrassing. <laughs> You did the wrong homework. 
Yeah, Did he listen to Kanye I, I West instead? <laughs> no, I listened to uh, the first Queens of the Stone Age album. Oh. I think, oh. I think we, did, I think we oh, discussed dear. doing that one. And then we changed our minds and re-rolled oh, the, yeah. uh, the randomizer. So I think you're gonna get some uh, you're gonna get some completely fresh takes from me today. <laughs> Shall we just like keep David's opinions on the Queens of the Stone Age in there? <laughs> It's just like, you know, we'll go to like that joke isn't funny you anymore. Give opinions on David, David, David what's your opinion it. on uh, <laughs> that, that joke isn't funny anymore? David's like, oh, track five on that album. Oh, <laughs> it was a fucking banger. <laughs> it fucking <laughs> melted my ears. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, you're going to be getting some fresh opinions from me today. Okay. Um, so um, I know Harry's kind of gone into it a little bit, um, you know, he knows of the Smiths, he knows about Morrissey, you know, um, all the stuff that Morrissey does. Um, he does some he, stuff, for sure. Did the uh, Smiths appear anywhere on your cultural radar, David? Yeah, they're the uh, agents in The Matrix. I see where we're going here. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, no. no I, have, I have heard of them. I've heard of Morrissey as well. Mm. Mostly because um, referencing him in everyday conversation, but yeah, I mean, um, you might have heard of the Smiths from um, the soundtrack to a film that I know you've watched, um, Five Hundred Days of Summer. I will probably recognise the song if you play. Yeah, I think I think the song featured was uh, "Please, Please, Le- uh, Please Let Me Get What I Want." Um, I could be wrong. I, and is, I that, is that on this album? Um, no, it's not actually. So <laughs> there you go. Got some further listening. Um, so yeah, let's um, crack on. A bit of background on the Smiths. Uh, they were formed in 1982 after the singer Stephen Patrick Morrissey, better known as Morrissey, answered a call from a young guitarist looking to start a band. Uh, Morrissey had played in a few bands before, including the Nosebleeds, uh, which featured um, Billy Duffy, who later formed the band The Cult and Slaughter and the Dogs. Um, he was also a bit of a notable writer slash pest to music weeklies, like he just constantly barrage all the music journalists with letters, with opinions about different bands, um, especially the New York Dolls. Um, the guitarist um, who doorsteps him on that fateful day was Johnny Marr, aged just 18. Uh, the band chose their name to seem as ordinary as possible, but their music and fandom was anything but. Uh, they quickly recruited Andy Rourke and drummer Mick Joyce um, to join the band, and they kind of picked up a quick following on the uh, Manchester scene. Um, as a result of that and live shows and uh, appearing on the John Peel show for his, his sessions, uh, they quickly gained more and more fans. Um, by the time of their third single, they hit number 12 in the single charts with What Difference Does This Make? Um, and their debut album reached number two. Uh, the album that we're covering today uh, is a bit bleaker, a bit more contentious, um, Meet His Murder. Uh, that topped the charts in February of 1985. Um, there was a couple more albums. Uh, the Queen Is Dead, which was probably their critical peak. Um, and then um, Strange Ways, Here We Come, which was actually released after the group broke up a few months prior when Johnny Marr left the band. After that, um, Marr had kind of brief stints with several bands, including The Pretenders, Modest Mouse and The Cribs. Um, and he's now kind of on a semi-successful, well, that's a bit unfair to him, um, a moderately successful solo career. 
and Moisey started well, had a lot of hits. And then he started hanging around with skinheads, publicly supporting Maria Le Pen and shaming survivors of sex abuse. And here we are now. And he doesn't even show up to half his shows from what I hear. No, he, he doesn't do that either. And that he writes really shit bleak, books. That was a really bleak note to end the biography on. That is very Smiths-like, really. Okay. It kind of came full circle. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the Smiths have never really been... Yay! <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think half the band is. If you'd listen to your homework, you'd really realise that, Wiley. <laughs> <laughs> so judging, judging purely on the only thing I know about this album, which is the title, there are going to be some vegetarianism things. Yes, there's going to be some vegetarianism. Yeah, um, I don't. Really, I'll, I'll probably cover that more when we get to um, the actual track by track. Um, yeah, get into that a bit more because otherwise we'll have fuck all to talk about at that point. Um, but I, I, I um, my statement for now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Morrissey is a very, very militant vegan um, to the point where um, he has at points refused to play uh, venues that serve meat in the concession stands. Oh, yeah, he shut down a McDonald's that was playing, I mean, next to where he was playing. Yeah, and, I he, heard too. and he wants, um, I think it was a maybe at Glastonbury a few years ago, um, he um, pretty much tried to storm off a performance after um, smelling um, meat from like a burger van or something. And I think his actual words were, um, I sincerely hope that is human flesh I'm smelling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. It's darker than Lisa Simpson rolling away from (laughs) That would be quite interesting to see, like uh, Lisa the vegetarian, but instead of Paul McCartney, it's just Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> Morrissey on the roof of the Twitter. <laughs> what are you thinking about? And he's just like looking over the edge, like, how quickly would I die if I jumped? <laughs> uh, I can imagine Lisa's voice now as she gets to the top of those stairs and just like, wow, Morrissey. Just. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Morrissey's sort of quite easy to take the piss out of. <laughs> he just sort of speaks in these kind of Oscar Wilde style kind of quotes and speaks bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so sometimes it, it could be things he says are quite grandiose or melancholic and other times it just makes him seem like a bit of a, you know... <laughs> But um, I found an amazing quiz, and I'm going to pepper this in throughout the podcast. And uh, this might be one of these where Wiley already <laughs> where Wiley fares better than the rest of us. Okay, that sounds good. Um, to me. And the quiz is: Who said it, Morrissey or Alan Partridge? Oh, <laughs> thought it'd be Queens okay. of the Stone Age. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, let's. Let's, let's do one round and then we'll crack on with the album. But um, who said this, Morrissey or Alan Partridge? Mm-hmm. Um, naturally, my birth almost kills my mother, for my head is too big. See, the trick is Morrissey. in Alan Partridge's voice. I can't do either <laughs> of their voices and I'm not going to try. <laughs> <laughs> What was the, go on, say the exact quote again. 
naturally, my birth almost kills my mother, for my head is too big. Well, naturally, uh, my my birth almost killed... Yeah, no, I'm going to say Alan Partridge. You're going to say Partridge and... I am going Partridge. Harry, did you say Morrissey? Yeah, I'll, I'll commit to that. Committing with Morrissey. And the answer was Morrissey. Oh, oh for naturally, for why the more Alan Partridge than um, I was expecting. I believe that quote was actually taken from his uh, bio- autobiography. <laughs> what a way to start a book. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I remember when that autobiography came out. It is the most like overboard, hyperbole autobiography ever written. It's, it's like the guy generally thinks he's fucking Oscar Wilde. Like, Maybe he could have a pretentious title too. I can't remember what the title was, but yeah. It, it's so pretentious that when it got released, it was released on the Penguin Classics label. <laughs> Immediately a classic. <laughs> like the publishers put him on the Classics label. He, he like insisted on it by all accounts. The like, title of his autobiography is Autobiography. <laughs> yeah, I just looked better. Is it? I thought, I'm sure it like, adds some sort of... Um, maybe I'm thinking... And it's no, got him with his eyes closed, just like covered in sepia tones. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, sort of looking like some sort of a, like book of quotations. Absolutely. <laughs> and you can get um, it for £2.40 on eBay. Uh, I think I've got it set around the house somewhere. I read like half of it. Well, if you if you don't want to read the rest of it, you could sell it for two pound forty on eBay. I'm going to undercut them. <laughs> <laughs> two pound thirty. <laughs> two pound thirty. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you know how eBay works, but <laughs> I suppose Jim packages. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You, you set it up as a, an auction, and then they'll pay whatever they want for it. <laughs> you could do buy now. <laughs> you could do a buy it now for two pound thirty nine. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, shall we crack on with the album? So this Absolutely. is Meat is Murder, uh, 14 minutes of joyous, joyous, upbeat, melodic goodness. I don't believe you. <laughs> So, yeah, that is the Headmaster Ritual. Um, Opinions, guys? I'm I'm sure I could hear a dog barking at some point during that. Does anyone own a dog? No. No. (laughs) I I think it was him just going, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It it just reminded me of a dog barking. I'm sure it's it's musically genius or whatever, but but that's what I got. Uh, Literally all you got. Oh, no, no. Obviously, <laughs> my opinions are more nuanced than I think I heard a dog. But that, that's that's the first thing I wanted to mention. I, I was wondering if it might uh, come into the themes of vegetarianism later on, where he doesn't eat the dog. Yeah, he's actually Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Morrissey just rips off a mask in possible style. <laughs> I am Kim Jong. <laughs> Kim Jong-un is a Korean, not Chinese, Martin. But, yes. Um, I'll back away. <laughs> um, very, other thoughts? I Very easy listening. Uh, that, that surprised me. I don't know. 
honestly, I don't know why it surprised me because I don't know anything about it. <laughs> um, but it was it was more uplifting than I was given to expect. How do you think the vocals match the music? I, I didn't, for me, I didn't really notice when the vocals started because they are so like the music that it flowed. It was nearly a minute in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it took a while. Yeah, it's, it's an effortless flow between their instruments and their uh, voices. See, I, I'd come in with like slightly opposite view almost. I'd say generally, maybe not quite as much with this song, but with a lot of Smith songs, um, especially lyrically, which I'll go into in a moment. But the, the music, generally speaking, is very melodic, very pop. I wouldn't quite call it easy listening, but it's definitely pop in its sensibilities. It's not trying to be complex to the point of being alienating. It's supposed to be accessible. It's supposed to be mm. quick to the ear. I know Johnny Marr said before, a lot of his inspirations um, in terms of like his writing is um, based around the fact that he was inspired by like the 60s girl groups, like the Phil Spector kind of sounds. He's just died. I would say wrist in peace, but he's a absolute trash bag. Um, but, you know, that sort of heavy sort of sounds, I don't know how aware um, Wiley might be of the sort of Phil Spector sound, but it's quite famous. Um, I'm sure it is. <laughs> it's, it's just very overblown and very just orchestral. It seems like every instrument is doubled, right? On the yeah. left and the right, that's what makes the spectre sound. Yeah, okay. I used to um, have a, like a group called The Wrecking Crew, which was basically like a big set of session musicians. There'd be about 40, 50 of them in a room, and he'd just record them all at once. And within this session group, you've got like five bass guitarists, you know, five lead guitarists, 50 vocalists, you know, and he just recorded the whole thing. It just became like this towering, like layered effect. Um, very chaotic. Yeah, um, but very intricate as well. And that's kind of what Johnny Marr kind of goes for within sort of his things. But yeah, um, so I, I with the, this song in particular, I've really felt like the, the, the way it comes in is quite nice. It gets you like that. It's almost like you're coming into a song that's already started, if you get where I'm coming from. No, absolutely. I agree. It's no build up at all. It's just bam, here's the riff, you know. Um, you know, it's quite a bright kind of riff, but then when it gets into the verse, it actually gets a little bit more ominous at points, in my opinion, because you've got a lot of minor and diminished chords. Um, and also the way the kind of vocal sort of swells, it's um, kind of swamped in reverb, especially during the um, chorus. Um, I'd say the, the bass line um, reminds me in parts of like Motown. Oh, okay. I don't know anyone kind of caught up on that kind of thing i didn't know Riley being massively into motown yes motown is my my jam as they say it's yeah. your town no <laughs> i don't think wiley even knows what town motown is motown yeah it's um need motown yeah it's birmingham <laughs> no. no it's a Man record, Manchester, obviously. record label producing firm in America, 1950s America. Um, for some reason, I think it's mostly black. It's definitely started that way, yeah. Oh, thank God. I'm not a racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, um, 
in Detroit, um, which was Motor City, is where the major Ford plants were, plus Motor Town, Motown. But yeah, um, did anyone pick up on sort of lyrical sort of strands and references? Um, it seems to be about like traditionalism and corporal punishment in schools, I guess. There's also yeah. like some militaristic references. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely placed within a context of a school and corporal punishment. Um, but um, it's a kind of weird kind of play of things where in the underline of the lyrics, and this is just my interpretation, you know, it could be slightly off. Um, that's the amazing thing about poetry and lyrics, you know, you can't be right and you can't be wrong. <laughs> um, but um, it's sort of the way the professor um, is sort of portrayed or the dean or kind of term you want Oh, it says head master ritual. So I'm guessing that's what yeah. it is. <laughs> um, but the sort of the way the kind of corporate punishment is sort of described could be almost like as if the uh, schoolmaster has a kind of sexual interest in children, jealous of youth, um, he grabs and devours, things like that. They're more kind of... Um, okay, to step up your neck and stuff. Yeah, it's slightly it, more sexual. It's almost slightly more sexual in the industry than straight out violence. Yeah, it's not nice, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> when did, was corporal punishment still a thing when this album was released? Yeah, definitely. Or well, when he was going up, it was. Okay. Yeah. Um, as I say, I, th I think he'd sort of described before how he absolutely hated school and like the teachers would just beat the shit out of him for being too quiet. Yeah. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's basically an autobiographical song in places where, you know, it's just about a kid who's just feels like education's failing him. You know, he's someone who wants to learn, but he's not learning. He's just being beaten the shit out of. Yeah. You know, I guess it's like talking about how that sort of violence can be fetishized or like how enjoyment can be had from the teachers out of hitting kids. And yeah, yeah that's something I had to do every day. Something that, you know, um, speaking to sort of people I know in sort of the older generations, uh, you know, grandparents and things like that, you know, anytime you hear about sort of people of certain age talking about corporate punishment, they always sort of go into how the teachers seem to enjoy it. They each had their own whacking stick, you know. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a bit of glee in it. And I'm sure there are people who just went into teaching so they could twat kids. That's a bad thing. To be fair on them, that does sound good. <laughs> but no, as I say, it, it's, it's a different world because obviously we all went to school in the sort of 90s, noughties, and it was completely outlawed. You just didn't hear of it, you know. No. Uh, maybe that's why, you know, our generation is a little bit more dumb. <laughs> 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 no, our generation isn't. I don't think it's more or less dumb. It's just no. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, we just didn't have the sense beaten into us. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it just happened to me once, but in a dream. <laughs> I think my parents had told me about what schools used to be like, and then I dreamt about it that evening. And <laughs> you sure you hadn't just been watching the Demon Headmaster? <laughs> no, I never watched that as a child. Did you know that's no? Oh, I feel like oh, I've that missed was terrifying. <laughs> That was maybe your really parents terrifying. did an inception on you. Oh, maybe, maybe. Ooh. I hope. I, 
Am I the only one here who watched the Demon Head Master? I'm afraid so. It sounds familiar, but I can't remember. Oh, I certainly knew like it was really, a really uh, creepy eyes. Yeah. And it was like this kind of like Orwellian sort of school. It was very odd. <laughs> sort of, you, uh, you wouldn't get away with showing it to kids nowadays. A beautiful children's program. Here's an Orwellian vision. Yeah, of like, I mean, kids' TV is too soft. Like, we had like shows that really scared the living hell out of you when you were a kid. Yeah, exactly. And That's it built it character. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Now, it, now it's all, uh, I don't know, Kin Possible and fucking Powerpuff Girls and. I no, see, these are all. These are all from my. Our generation, like the latter <laughs> end of our generation. Yeah, that's about yeah, they, they were the nicer end of our generation. There was no darkness in the Powerpuff Girls, unless you count no. the fact that they were experiments. But you know, mm. <laughs> they never, they never <laughs> delved into that as a concept, did they? Oh, it was more. Can't... Hey, look, we're powerful. I can't really say. I remember watching too much of it. No, I've. It's like I, a monkey of some sort. That's all. <laughs> uh, mobile Jumbo, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah. So um, we'll move on in a second to the next track, which is Russian Ruffians. Okay, so yeah, that's uh, Russian Ruffians. Uh, David, opinions? You, you think I have opinions? That's that's generous of you. Um, it's, uh, it's sort of a, a, a Wild West undercurrent to this one, I thought, which makes yeah, sense yeah. with the, the whole Ruffian thing. It's very... Uh, yeah, I, 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 get what you, I get where you're coming up. from. Um, yeah, more like a country lion dance sort of groove. Sure, that's a better way of describing it. <laughs> yeah, than I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's rockabilly. Yeah, but they'll dress um, up in hats and anyway, pretend to be cowboys. <laughs> so a bit more sort of like 50s rocker, you know, than country mm-hmm. itself, but it's got roots within country. Yeah, I mean, more of the bass is perhaps is more like that. And the guitar yeah. is like shuffly, like country, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, lyrically, did anyone pick up on anything? I think you know I didn't. But I'm going to ask you every time. <laughs> it's out of fear. This could become very repetitive. Uh, yeah, basically, uh, yeah, it's about a fair. In, um, and you'll have to forgive me because my pronunciation of place names is notoriously awful. Um, but it's, I think it's pronounced Rosal. Okay. I could be wrong. Part of Manchester, right? It's part of Manchester, yeah. It's um, one of the suburbs out towards Salford. Um, and basically, yeah, it's about a fair, um, but it's it's not, you know, just about, oh, it's a fair, it's exciting. If, um, as the sort of song goes on, it sort of takes in the drama um, of someone being stabbed. And, like, it sort of goes into that, but it's almost like from a child's perspective where they know something bad's happened, but they're at the fair, they're having a good time, they're not bothered. Oh, okay. I, I get it. See, when you said it was about a fair, I thought you meant an affair. No. <laughs> you were cheating on someone. <laughs> and then and then and then you mentioned a stabbing and a child, and it got very weird for me. But now I'm on board. He, he's at the carnival, he's having a good time. 
he's on the Ferris wheel. He doesn't care that stabbings are going on. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, lyrically, it's actually um, a reference to uh, the late comedian uh, Victoria Wood. Okay. Back in back in her early days, um, she used to sort of do comedy songs, um, and uh, one of them, fourteen again, goes in lyrically. It's about a day at the fair, and actually has like the lyric last night at the fair. So basically, Morrissey took that strand and subverted it into something a bit darker, a little bit more creepy. Basically um, made it a Smith song. Yes. Basically, yeah. Um, I mean, it's also a bit voyeuristic. It's sort of almost like someone's looking on, you know, it's like rubber neck in a car crash, you know. Mm. Mm. It's I mean, pretty uh, descriptive like that, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like someone's looking on, but they're not involved, you know. Like they're enjoying the stabbing. Um, you could put that interpretation there. <laughs> I mean, you, you could. No, no, no. I'm just saying, if you're going to put that interpretation there, at least listen to the fucking lyrics, Wiley. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I'm I really am trying. Uh, um, but yeah. <laughs> okay, on to the next track. Um, and it is I want the one I can't have. Okay, yeah, so that is I Want the One I Can't Have. Uh, Wiley, did you pick up on anything whatsoever? I heard a just... lyric. I you heard, heard a lyric? lyric. Oh, go lyric. for it. Yeah, yeah you take it away. He mentions biology. Which, <laughs> you know, and, that, and that biology is why he can't have the one that he wants, presumably. And I think he mentions something else, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's an undercurrent of homosexuality. Yeah, that's what I was going to lean into. But somebody else said it for me, so I didn't sound stupid. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Basically, that's that was my reason of it as well. Um, yeah, mentality, that was it. It's mentality and biology. So, yeah, like, uh, the lyric is the day that your mentality catches up with your biology. Yeah, sure. So basically... So assuming that... Gayness is something that is strictly a mentality thing and biology thing separated. I think so there might be a little bit honest. of... I mean, Morrissey is prone to being a bit sarcastic, lyrically, so maybe there's a little hint of that, you know. Especially, okay, maybe it's a taunt then. Like, especially in the 80s, you know. Um, you know, you're talking, this is the era of AIDS. You know, um, sort of gay suspicion, gay hatreds, whatever you want to call it, gay hate crime, um, was probably, you know, at its, at its absolute worst. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there was that kind of mentality of, oh, they choose to do this. You know, whereas nowadays, most sane people know that's not the case, you know. Yeah. You know, we know, you know, that it's not something you just wake up and decide, you know. Today I'm going to be gay. <laughs> but just, just on Wednesdays. 
just on Wednesday. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, like with anything, there's people who do choose things, but it doesn't mean they actually want to do it in that regard. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a massive spectrum of yeah. Um, the majority of them would say that it's not a choice. Exactly. That would that would indicate that at some point everybody chose to be straight. I think exactly. if that's mm-hmm. that's the standard counter argument. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like the cultural historical values of it were Spartans used to have bum sex and it was just normal. Yeah, and and the Romans. Yeah, they were yeah. all horny little bastards. <laughs> Oh, it's, I meant it in an affectionate way. You, you know, you can't, you can't sort of go. You know, we're going off on a nice little strand. Oh, you know, you, you know, people are born this way. They can't, you know, blah blah, and you know, we should accept it. And then you just go, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Romans, they have bum sex. The bastards. <laughs> <laughs> it was affectionate. Affectionate bit of bum sex. But yeah, it was seen as like a cultural norm and it was something that was encouraged and something mm. that they did to get rid of stress and prepare themselves for the job at hand. Probably more stressful for the guy on the receiving end. Well, I mean, it depends if he's into it. It sounds like they were into it, to be honest. Yeah. But anyway, I think we're hitting a bit of a nasty tangent here. A little bit. Let's talk about Morrissey. What's his bum sex like? Um, <laughs> you have to read the autobiography. Autobiography. Um, I mean, there's there's been a lot of talk about Morrissey's sexuality across the years. Um, I mean, in the eighties, he sort of used to deflect the question off by just saying he was uh, asexual. Yeah. Oh, basically, he'd go, "Oh, I'm celibate," you know, kind of line. Um, I'm it wasn't. It wasn't really until um, his book came out in 20, 2012, 2013, that he actually straight up, you know, said, I've, you know, had relationships with men. And, you know, it's basically because in his autobiography, he talks about, you know, <laughs> having a relationship with a man. And that was the first time it was ever properly confirmed. I think most people knew it. But... Yeah, it was one of those things where you didn't need to say it because we were becoming decent people. We just left into it after a while. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, we're three songs in, and we could have had a stab at saying Morrissey was gay by now. (laughs) You know, let's be honest. You know, there's definitely a narrative of kind of gay kind of imagery already. Um, oppression, yeah. So you know, it wasn't exactly um, Mm. that well cloaked. It was just, you know, maybe just when you say it so loud, it just stays unspoken. You know, it's it's that kind of thing of, you know, if you've got someone sort of outside a, you know, in a gay bar, completely mincing it. Sorry, that's a bit of a nasty word, but you know what I mean. You know. You don't turn around and go, I think he might be gay. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't need to. It's, sure. it's, it's clear enough. But anyway, on to the next track, which is What She Said. 
Uh, yeah, so what she said, um, let's go to Harry for an opinion because I don't think Wiley's going to have anything useful to say. Wow. <laughs> Do you even know what she said, Wiley? Uh, she said, how come someone hasn't noticed that I'm dead and decided to bury me? God knows I'm ready. Oh, it's actually... I have good authority that that is what she said. Uh, how long did totally it take correct, you to yeah. type that into Google? <laughs> Not very long at all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's it's quite clearly Harry's opinions <laughs> um, from a female perspective. Yeah, yeah. The narrator of a song is definitely a female. Um, that's a pretty interesting step to take on the last songs. Yeah, yeah. Did he consult any actual women before he wrote the song? No, he stayed away from them. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to get like kind of mocking at the end when it talks about the smoking and yeah, I mean, hoping for an early death. Because I'm, from what I heard, Morrissey's a pretty anti-smoker dude. He's just pretty much anti anything that might be a bit bad for him. So there was definitely a kind of mocking kind of, you know, self-depreciating kind of thing of, uh, you know, I smoke because I want to die kind of thing in it. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, um, musically, did you pick up anything, Harry? Um, just pretty heavy and fast paced compared to the last ones. Lots of bends in there. Like when you hear two strings and you bend up one of them. Uh, unison so, bends. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. I'm here now. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it, a bit like um, the headmaster ritual. It, it's straight into the action. It just sort of goes, all right, here you go, catch up. Yeah, but his voice um, is, I mean, like his vocals are so airy in comparison. Oh, yeah. From like what we were talking about earlier, it's like a massive juxtaposition, I think, between yeah. the style of music and what he's doing. Yeah, but it's sort of a weird one also after two somewhat more slower tracks to go into something that's like, bam, okay. And there was also this sort of juxtaposition with the Smiths where they had these sort of ballady songs that were normally the singles. And then you'd see them on stage and they were pretty, you know, fast and heavy for a pop band anyway. So, um, yeah. you know, this is more kind of in line with the live experience of seeing the Smiths around that time, perhaps than, you know, uh, tracks like, Roger Wolfians or our next track, which um, I'll introduce in a second. Um, Wiley, any sort of further opinions? No. Okay, then without further ado. I've put them down in the coffin. I'm enjoying the album so far. It, 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 uh, it is very enjoyable music. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm like... <laughs> I tell you what, shall we have another round of Morrissey or Partridge? Oh, Christ. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, you first this time. <laughs> okay, so the quote is, sadly, I can't say the same for my father, who's probably in a different place. Hell. I mean, there's a reason it's called Morrissey or Partridge, because it could be either of them. Uh, I am going to say Morrissey. Uh, Harry? I think it has to be Morrissey too. It's too Morrissey for it not to be Morrissey. But maybe that's why. It's oh, Alan! Oh, <laughs> Alan Partridge. <laughs> oh, I thought you were just gonna be the whole time, but it'd be Morrissey lyrics and sayings, and never Alan Partridge. 
<laughs> you thought I was just going to trick you. <laughs> just to be clear, this wasn't me who composed the quiz. <laughs> this is how he gets yeah, me. Yeah, you can choose the most he highlights. <laughs> come, here, come here, Wiley. I've got Alan Partridge quotes. <laughs> <laughs> just like leading them out like little biscuits. <laughs> Oh, shall we? Let's have another one. Why not? Oh, wow. You're spoiling us. I know. I've got so Go many of them there. to get through. Uh, the <laughs> human brain comprises 70% water, which means it's a similar consistency to tofu. That's Alan Partridge. I'd go with Alan. Yeah. yeah. You're going with Alan as well. For Marcy's a vegetarian. It was Alan Partridge. <laughs> I mean, that is such an Alan Partridge thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's ever dick to a vegetarian, but you talk about the brain being tofu. That's like straight out of one of the documentary segments on This Time or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on to um, perhaps the sort of central track on this album. It's uh, That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that joke isn't funny anymore. He wants very to get different. us started. It's very different to the other tracks so far. Yeah, that yeah. starts with Morrissey singing. Yeah, it's the... It, that sombre tone is certainly a lot more prevalent here. Probably because he's talking about death. <laughs> <laughs> when isn't he? Pretty bleak. Oh, that's a, that's a powerful question. One which I haven't contemplated until now. <laughs> I mean, it's not the first time Death's come up lyrically in the album. I mean, um, no, it's, it's, a bit um, more, it's a bit more on the surface, I think, here. Um, yeah. Mm. Like, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't feel out of place on a funeral home soundtrack, let's say. Fuck you now. What funeral homes are you going to? Have <laughs> <laughs> your funeral saying this joke isn't funny anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Cold leather seats, it suddenly struck me. I might just die with a smile on my face after all. <laughs> yeah, hey, actually, that's quite suitable. <laughs> he was smiling about everyone enjoying it. He had sex in the back seat of the car, and now he might die happy. <laughs> See, I didn't get that, but. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, for me, this is probably my favorite off the album. I just mm. love the sort of musical bedding, if you want to call it that, is just absolutely swimming in, like tremolo and reverb. Um, so much sort of little kind of changes in the kind of chordings. You know, there's lots of diminished sort of um, augmentations, which doesn't make any sense to Wiley whatsoever, but how do I know what I'm about? Um, it's pretty atmospheric. Yeah, but it's, it's like, not just, it's it not just like playing rock, like... Maybe. Yeah, he's not just playing like the D D chord or the D minor chord. He's playing like a D minor diminished seven and things like that. I mean, I remember um, actually when I was at uni and I've probably been playing guitar about two years and trying to learn this song and it's really not as easy as it looks. Um, like, there's just so much going on and he's very, very little changes. Like, you can play a sort of usable version in five seconds, but to get it nailed on, 
it's probably never going to happen for me. And I've been playing 10 years. Yeah, you definitely can do it from an acoustic guitar either. <laughs> it has to be drowned in all those effects. Yeah, I mean, um, God, if, if if I could remember anything of it, I'd pick up my guitar and <laughs> splash some reverb on my amp, but fuck that. I, I, as I say, I haven't got the time. And uh, no one wants to hear that anyway. Um, again, um, lyrically, um, did anyone else pick up on uh, the Oscar Wilde reference? I know what big fans of him you all are. No. Um, um, this famous Oscar Wilde quote, um, their only desires to die. Oh, um, I just assumed that was Marcy. Um, yeah. No, it's actually a Nick from a Oscar Wilde quote. Are you sure it's not Alan Partridge? <laughs> <laughs> okay, expand it to, is it Oscar Wilde, Alan Partridge, or <laughs> Marcy? But yeah, no, I, I, mean, I mean, lyrically, I, I see it as someone who's coming from a bleak place, and then um, he sort of just finds the joy in kind of companionship or love even and decides actually maybe I'll stick around. I suppose, so as, I suppose as far as the Smiths goes, it's a positive message. Yeah, I was completely wrong then. Wow. <laughs> but doesn't it sort of like turn itself around? Because it starts to be about the mockery of people being depressed and kick them when they fall down. Yeah, kick them when thought. they fall down, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's, for me, listening lyrically, and this, as I say, this is the amazing thing about lyrics, you know, there's no right or wrong in the answer. It's, it's sort of almost like, you know, it starts kind of on a low, you know, mentally, and then it's a kind of equilibrium, but it's a broken equilibrium, if you get what I mean. Yeah. He's, he's not suddenly cured. He's just very slightly better than he was. So he's still thinking this negative stuff, but he's, yeah. he's kind of decided, right, I'm going to stick around with it. Bittersweet would be the word for it, I think. Sorry? Bittersweet would probably be the word for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. As I say, it's, you know, um, I was actually um, watching a interview with Marcy yesterday as part of my research. And um, it was... Um, What's his name? The, the really agged American bloke. Uh, Larry you're, King. You're more specific. <laughs> uh, yeah, Larry King. Okay, the interview with the, the one who has the, like, the brace. he wears like the braces. Yeah, the shirt that's too big for him and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like, he's I mean, a bit hunched. It's really small, yeah, yeah. Um, but he was, he was on there for some reason. It's like a couple of years back. Um, they were kind of publicising his like first interview in ten years, and um, you know he was asked you know about depression and things like that, and he just goes quite irresponsibly, in my opinion. He was like, "Well, yeah, um, I'm depressed all the time. Um, no, I don't take medication. I think you you know you shouldn't. You should just live with it." Okay, but, um, shows a sort of avenue into Morrissey's mind frame, I suppose. You know, um, and yeah. just just as a kind of, I suppose, public health awareness, whatever you want to call it, um, notes. Um, I should just mention that the views of Morrissey are not necessarily the views of ours. If you are suffering from any issues with your mental health, please get professional help from um, a mental health practitioner or your GP. Uh, don't suffer in silence. You know, um, the, the important thing is to talk to people. 
even if you don't feel comfortable seeing a professional or whatever for whatever reason make sure you've got people you can rely on yeah don't don't just try and plow on no because otherwise you end up like Morrissey and Morrissey as we'll establish later on is a cunt <laughs> but he also has an autobiography so you know yeah I haven't even gone into his novel yet oh there's one god. of those two. Oh my god yeah he wrote a novel What's he's in stop at autobiography <laughs> anyway um next track is nowhere fast Okay, yeah, so that's Nowhere Fast. Um, Harry, your opinions? It's a cool opening riff. Sets for scene pretty well. Uh, another one that's pretty fast. Got some pretty, like, surfy breakdowns, maybe, between verses. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a wow sort of guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Uh, Wiley? <laughs> it's getting a bit um... whammy, you know? Yeah, I didn't get too much from this one, to be honest. It felt very similar to sort of one or two in the previous batch, I suppose. It, are we on to the B-side yet? Um, what B-side, sorry? The second okay. side of the vinyl. Um, yeah, I suppose if this was the vinyl, this would probably be B-side now, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it feels very much like a song, any of the songs from the other one. I think I mentioned with the previous track that it felt like something a little different whereas i think yeah. now we've moved back into the more standard smith's stuff yeah yeah it, this is and definitely and that a bit more of the that, same yeah it isn't to say that it's bad it's just it's another smith's song and yeah nothing really stands out to me this time mm-hmm. yeah definitely i mean like it it sort of feels like a sort of sister song to uh song ruffians for me sort of mm. same sort of rockabilly style rhythm you know, sort of, again, a little bit sort of same way in the kind of guitars, even like that sort of um, circular descending bass, bass riff in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's generally just a song about boredom, in my opinion. It's, you know, someone who's so disaffected by the world that he wants to cause a scene in order to see if he can feel something other than a dullness. Yeah, like feeling numb. I guess it's kind of from depression, though, because you can feel like numb and emotionless sometimes. Yeah, um, sort of a sort of disaffected youth sort of song. I mean, you've also got the lyric about the train going by. I mean, that's any time in any song a train goes by, it's always about escaping something, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the idea that you miss an opportunity, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's definitely a kind of sarcasm within it as well. It's almost like, you know, he's, he's sort of going, well, I know everyone sees me as miserable. So here you go. Here's a song about my so-called misery. <laughs> and he doesn't particularly care for either life or death. So what does he care for? Cats. <laughs> oh, just, just fuddering his cat, which is neither dead or alive. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, um, a little bit of a nothing track. I don't mean that in a nasty way. It's just too much the same as the rest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't stand out. Mm-hmm. Just the uh, guitar's kind of cool, but otherwise <laughs> it doesn't offer anything new. Yeah. Shall we move on swiftly? 
Uh, yeah, so the next track is When I Wonder. Okay, yeah, so Well I Wonder. Who wants to get us started on that? I think Harry does. I wonder what made you think that. Ah. Have you guys heard of a song called I Wonder by Rodriguez? No. There's this like, really cool documentary called Searching for Sugar Man. Um, it's a song from that. And it's basically the whole principle of the song was about things that he wonders. And it kind of reminded me of that. Oh, right. But yeah, starts off pretty acoustic-y and big prominent bass riff. It's definitely another different uh, type of style of music coming in here compared to the rest of the album, a bit more airy and a lot more of a build-up than other songs. It's a start like very immediately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wiley? Yeah, uh, to me, the song kind of reads like uh, someone's last pleading appeal to a lover. Um, are you just reading my screen? <laughs> <laughs> That's why you don't screen share. You just sound genius. <laughs> uh, no, my own personal opinions, though. No, I I quite enjoyed that song. It was um, very contemplative the music. Yeah, well, he is wondering. Well, exactly. I, I, you know, it's a good it's a good title for the track then. But... Yeah, I mean, let's it's definitely. Let's hear what you thought about it, Martin. Uh, thankfully, I didn't actually write everything down. I just use it as tiny little prompts. Um, obviously, lyrically, yeah, it is basically someone appealing to a lover. It's basically saying, "Don't give up on me," um, but not in the kind of classic sense. It's more kind of like. That's already happened long ago. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, take me back or I'll kill myself kind of <laughs> vibe, you know. Um, but um, musically, it sort of felt like it would almost be written with like an English kind of torch singer in mind. Mm. Like someone oh, yeah. like maybe Sandy Shaw or someone like that, someone like of that sort from the 60s, um, maybe even Lulu or someone like that. It sort of feels like it may be written with a female singer in mind i know um they did sort of do a few um tracks with female singers in mind and i think um might well have been sandy shaw recorded um a re-recording of hand in glove with the smiths okay someone's probably Sorry, gonna like, like stop me and correct that okay. um yeah i mean someone's probably gonna like slap me down i know i'm sure they collaborated with sandy shaw but i might have got the song wrong and uh I'm sure, you know, the way the internet is, if, if I've got it wrong, someone's going to completely slap me down. <laughs> Somebody in the comments will be like, um, actually, Martin, I think you're <laughs> fine. <laughs> you shouldn't have been so standy sure about that. Oh. Uh, uh. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to sort of uh, play it the same way that Homer does in the uh, Issue Scratchy and Poochie episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> Anytime. We get something wrong. A wizard did it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, it really felt to me like, um, you know, something that might be written with that sort of vibe. And yeah, I've just um, Googled it just to fact check myself. And it was Hand in Glove that Sandy Shaw performed with the Smiths. It's, it, it, it feels 
slightly different, but a little bit same again. But um, yeah, there's a very slight change in the arrangement compared to some of the other songs. That's about all I've really got to say on the matter. I can't always tell like if he's being sincere or melodramatic. Sometimes his lyrics. Yeah, um, I mean that is kind of one of the sort of things with Morrissey. I think is like because he sings everything falsetto. Um, you never can tell where he is at sometimes pitch wise. Whereas other singers, they might sort of start off on a kind of and then go, you know. Um, he doesn't really have that. It's all kind of up at the top top end of the vocal range already. So you don't kind of get that um, natural lift that other vocalists kind of have when they're kind of bringing things up in emotion. Yeah, it's uh, definitely you. I found like listening to this album as a learning curve, like getting used to Marcy for me. Because mm. uh, he is pretty unique in the way he sings. And yeah. at times it actually feels kind of like yodeling, the way he sort of like <laughs> <laughs> maintains like some of the sustains. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a sustain. Um, sorry, it's definitely like a, um, what you want to call it, a, um, a choir taste. Um, yeah. Morrissey, you, you know. That, I, I like it. As a first time listener. Yeah, mm. no, I, I, I am enjoying it. He's got a very good vocal range. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he did in the 80s. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> Facing it off the seven songs we've heard. Yeah, no, no, without a doubt. Um, you know, and, um, you know, they were very influential on a lot of artists from sort of later down the line. Um, I mean, the only sort of vocalists I really recall prior, I say recall prior, I mean, I wasn't born at this point, but you know what I mean, in terms of lineage, um, that I can kind of recall in the sort of indie slash rock world, um, who sort of sang at any point really in a falsetto. Um, maybe Bowie at the top of his range. That's the only Roxy music. They're the only That's two the I can really think about. David Bowie. Yeah. It's kind of changed in the 90s. Sorry? I guess there was a big swift in the 90s where music got less masculine like in the ways of vocalism. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. I mean, you had sort of like maybe some of the sort of... Um, not glam but post-glam almost bands like Roxy Music and um, and Bowie who sort of would kind of go up into the falsetto range but it wasn't really like their modus operandi um, and then I suppose going on from the Smiths I mean Suede quite obvious influence I mean at times vocally it's a bit of a rip almost but I mean apart from that I can't really think of many prominent falsetto male singers in sort of um, alternative bands. Now let's think of where ones like Radiohead and Jeff Buckley, maybe. Um, where, would the, where would the Bee Gees fall, like, vocally? I wouldn't put them in the same genre. Oh, I see. You, I, you, that's fair enough. That's, that's yeah. Um, I mean... Yeah, I, I tried, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could, I could be wrong in categorising this as falsetto. I'm not amazingly technical when it comes to vocal terminology. Um, but I know it's not a fucking baritone, so I've got that bit right, at least. <laughs> I think it's pretty unique. Yeah. Um, okay, um, the next track, um, 
again, what, probably one of my favourites um, on this album. I mean, there's three that stand out to me, and we'll go into that at the end of the album anyway. Um, but this is Barbarism Begins at Home. I think your dog's returned, David. Yeah, I was just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was, I was beginning to form some cogent thoughts about what I could say about this, and then the dog started barking. <laughs> I know no, you can no, read I, my bloody screen here, so this is going to be fun. Yeah, I was just going to say, you, you, you shot down your, your little post-it note, and now you've it back <laughs> up again. Um, I... I'm going, to, I'm going to ignore it, I promise. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that song. Uh, it was, I, I think, again, it stood out because it was a little bit different in the same way that uh, That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore did. Uh, yeah. This one's a little bit more upbeat. Oh, that bass line fucking slaps. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a flea or something. It's continued it's... on in my head, even though you've paused it. And that's, yeah. it doesn't happen to oh, me. Yeah. It is a killer bass line. Um, I mean, it's, 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 proper funk like maybe white man's funk like level two <laughs> or something like that it's funk all the same we are all white men man. <laughs> yeah, but being a song about disciplinary domestic violence it is yeah, a total gem I, I, I got yeah. the thing a clack on the head uh yeah um that's that's uh child like abuse at home or are we thinking domestic violence or um, I'll go into that in a minute, actually, with my take. Um, I mean, the, the, musically, there's quite a lot of similarities with a um, song by a funk band called The SOS Band, um, a song called Take Your Time, Do It Right. Uh, I'm not going to play it out, but um, I did listen for a bit of investigation, and there are similarities. And did they come first, or did the Smiths come first? Uh, they came first. Oh, quite, okay. Quite clearly first. Um yeah. I mean, they were a proper little funk outfit. And mm-hmm. funny enough, it, Johnny Marr did play in a funk band just as a kind of hobbyist band prior to um, forming the Smiths. So there's a good chance he would have heard that song because it was a pretty decent hit within the sort of UK funk scene. It definitely seems like he's a very versatile guitarist. Oh, yeah. He can pretty do faithful, like... Uh replications of different genres yeah i mean um lyrically i think we've all kind of insinuated it's about violence um i think harry's sort of insinuated probably domestic violence yeah i mean there's jokes about unruly girls and unruly boys yeah um wiley uh yeah uh it sort of it captures the themes of some of the previous songs have been a bit like have mentioned violence as well yeah. Um, uh, def- definitely the first one, I think. The headmaster ritual. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> which was about which was about school violence and all of that. Um no, this I so I think I I know, I know that I don't know that the last track is called Meter's Murder. I'm guessing that's gonna be that that's gonna have violence against animals, presumably. Um I guess we can we'll find out about that though. Yeah, um, I mean, my hot take on this song, if you want to call it a hot take, um, I actually think it might be about violence on the gay clubbing scene in the 80s. Okay. Um, okay. Um, yeah. a, a, a crack on the head. Carry on with that, yeah. You know, um, unruly boys, unruly girls, you know, gays, lesbians, 
Uh, crack on the head is what you get for asking. Crack on the head is what you get for not asking. Um, you know, um, okay. especially in sort of Manchester, um, around sort of, um, I can't remember the exact area. It's just off of Deansgate. Um, it's where sort of the Manchester gay scene revolved around. And um, especially in especially in northern cities in the 80s, that it, that it was quite well, like it became a bit of a thing for, you know, straight white men, you know, your national front sorts to turn up <clears> in predominantly gay areas and just look to kick someone's head in. Yeah. And if Morrissey was in with the gay scene, then, you know, he would have at least seen it. Yeah. Yeah, this is where context helps. <laughs> I guess yeah. to get at a literal value where it gets like, the crack on the head is what you get for asking for being a child and being curious about something. Mm. But mm. definitely your view seems to be more accurate. I mean, it's just a take. I've not got any, you know. Well, I think, I, well, that would, that would imply that a general theme of the entire album is about the punishment for non-conformity. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's the way I'd put it. It's, if it's, you broaden it more, yes. And if you yeah. don't conform to the norm, if you ask too many questions, if you don't ask enough questions, you have to be what they say you are. Yeah. Um, which is very much something that the LGBT to like people do feel like they want to be themselves, but society's been saying no all this time. Yeah, later it goes on to saying the crack on the head because of who you are. Yeah. Yes. So um, definitely what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably, a, like you guys say, it's a bit, a bit of a running theme, you know. It's like, you know, if, if you express yourself in any way that's not the norm, you know, you're going to get attacked, whether it's verbally, physically, or mentally, you know. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, that attack's not coming from other people. That's you attacking yourself, you know. Yeah. Say, like, likes of, uh, that joke isn't funny anymore. You know, that's mm. someone who's mentally battered themselves yeah mm. but i guess also my take of it being about domestic was more now what i think about it is more about from the title because it's called barbarism begins at home mm. yes but then that's kind of like that begins at home kind of phrasing um that, that often kind of um gets used as a kind of um expression in terms of how children are raised yeah you yeah. know I always hear it in that kind of context a lot, you know, especially in sort of like British media in the papers, in tabloids and stuff like that. You yeah, know, the values that are imbued into children. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's kind of like, you know, oh, this started as a kid, you know, and that's why you are what you are, you know. Yeah. And while it might begin at home, it certainly continues once you've left home. Yeah. Could be another take on it. Yeah. Uh, any more takes on... Uh, that song. I mean, the ba for me, the baseline just fucking slaps. That's that's my hot take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like the music to it, but I've never uh, used I've never used the phrase "slaps" to describe the music before. But um, yeah, <laughs> slap the this. <laughs> the vocals do get pretty gargly and murmury as the song goes on. Though. Yeah, and like at the end, it's, he's going like kind of stuff. Yeah, um, it, there's there. a lot of noises coming out of Morrissey. Yeah, noises you would not expect. <laughs> Obviously, <he> goes dogging. <laughs> yeah, sometimes anyway. I feel like it's too dominant in the mix, like his vocals. 
Yeah. There's like this amazing music going on. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I do think that myself, like, it's just like the music is fucking amazing. Could I just get an instrumental version of this album, please? (laughs) (laughs) No offense, Um, man. I just want the instruments on this first. Yeah. Well, um, voice is not an instrument. Especially um, with Morrissey being as Morrissey is nowadays. It'd be Mm -hmm. quite nice to kind of, you know, how people are going on about um, airbrushing Trump out of Home Alone. (laughs) (laughs) Can we get like a version of the Smiths discography that's airbrushed of Morrissey? I mean, there is a solution to that, which we'll get into maybe a bit later. But um, yeah, can we get an airbrushed Smiths? (laughs) We're just kind of habit of like remastering albums and including extra disc of just like the instrumental takes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've got a couple of instrumental versions of albums dotted around somewhere. Because, um, I mean, I know Suede did it for their last album. It's like a fan's, you know, sign collector's box, you know, yeah. um, kind of thing. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's one of them. The, the, the album's got to warrant it. Definitely. I mean, uh, no one wants to hear, like, an instrumental version of, like, Adele's latest album. <laughs> <laughs> No, because, no, you go, you go to Adele for the voice, I think. Yeah, I mean, like an instrumental version of Adele's album, it'd just be like, dong, piano key, bong. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, Smith's <laughs> is pretty unique because it's not built around a vocals, kind of. No, um, as I say, it's it's they're built to be kind of almost like orchestral kind of guitar pieces behind, you know. And um, I mean, fair play to, you know, I mean, obviously, Morrissey Ma, they're the songwriting partnership, but... Um, and the other guys get overlooked a bit, but that's no denying they they do their job well at every point in this album. You know, yeah, it's a great. I mean, rhythm. some of the bass lines are great. You know, they're just they're not front and center, but they do their job well. Um, anyway, moving on to our final track, um, I apologize in advance. This is Meat Is Murder. So, yeah, that's me as bad. <laughs> and um, I don't think I was the only one uh, trying not to laugh out loud during that intro. <laughs> oh, oh, I can't get the idea out of my head now that Morse is just making animal noises after David talked about the dog. This <laughs> <laughs> picture is him making the cow noise now. Yeah, the thing is, they're supposed to be really bleak and harsh, those sounds. Um, you know, you always hear about it in the reviews, it's bleak and harsh. It sounds almost comical to me, like this sort of no, buzz on. And... I felt the bleakness, I really did. <laughs> no, I, yeah. No, that was, um, I, I was like, I, I had half a mind to just start applauding as soon as you paused it. Because that was, <laughs> that was, that was fantastic. Uh, you... I'm, I'm feeling a bit of more CS sarcasm there. <laughs> no, no, I seriously really enjoyed that opening. I don't... Oh, okay, it's, fair it's, enough. No, I mean, for a first listen, that's good. It really sets an atmosphere. It's just like mm. when you listen yeah, it's, to it's a lot, it gets really grating and... It's definitely atmospheric. It's not like rewarding um, for like repeat listens. Um, that, that, I mean, is a genuine, that is a genuine cow noise, though. I don't know how you'd make it less funny. No, no. I think it's maybe because it's 
so real and it just kind of comes out of nowhere. You just go, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, music videos set in some sort of McDonald's factory and well. <laughs> Um, funnily enough, um, there is a um, game that was created by a um, famous charity, PETA, um, featuring an uh, 8-bit version of this song playing like, as the theme of this, you know, game about, you know, murder of animals. Yeah, basically you have to keep the animals from going into the buzzsaws. I'm assuming it's something like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I played it the other day. Oh, right, my okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It's pretty difficult. <laughs> it's like they want the animals to die. Well, I, I think maybe that's how that, maybe that's how Peter feels. My God. Like, they, they've been around for a long time and they're still killing animals. You know? yeah, I mean, maybe there's a bit of it where Peter doesn't want to be made redundant. Like, <laughs> we've got a good thing going here, guys. <laughs> Mm. Um, yeah, I think this song definitely speaks more volumes than the Peter game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, as I say, it, it, did it hit you in any regards of its themes? I mean, did you take? Did it make you feel uneasy in sort of your life decisions or anything like that? Not really, and I think the reason for that is all subtlety is just thrown out the window. Yes, for this song, and it it was. I, I find that things are generally more effective on me if I if it's su- if there's subtlety to it or it's layered or deep. Whereas this yeah. just to use to use an expression cracks you on the head. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like going from zero to sixty in the car. Um, yeah, especially for the time, I think it's pretty impressive that they really release a song like this because yeah. uh, well, I'm guessing an album that was not yeah. like mainstream then at all. Not really, no. I mean, yeah, Paul McCartney, I suppose. Yeah. Linda um, maybe starting yeah. to think about making some sausages. I don't yeah. think she's making sausages. But the, the vegetarian sausages. I think she's too busy smoking McCartney's. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah. And let's not forget, if you play one of their songs backwards, there's a really nice, uh, there's a really nice recipe for tomato soup. I think you'll find <laughs> it's lentil. Lentil oh. soup, yeah. Shit. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, he did actually record a backmast message for the credits of that um, episode. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, YouTube has got it backwards. Yeah. Um, there's also an amazing video online of McCartney cooking a vegetarian meal. Um, I, think it might be, I can't remember what the exact meal is. It's a long time since I've seen it. But the guy is clearly stoned out of his brain. <laughs> yeah, I think he uh, guest starred in like a Rolling Stones song, and all he did was like eat carrots. Oh, it's the Beach Boys. Oh, it's the Beach, Beach Boys. Boys. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, he was credited as Carrot Muncher, <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, he also uh, produced the song "I Am the Urban Spaceman" by uh, the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. But anyway, we're talking way too much about McCartney for a podcast on the Smiths. I should probably give a bit of context to like my take on this song. Okay. Because it's gather you know, around how kids. yeah, it's gather around kids, kids and I shall tell you a tale. Story. Um well no, basically, especially with something like this, the subject matters everything, isn't it? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't really take this song just on its own. You know, you can't go, oh, yeah, I'll just listen to the music. You know, it's a nice song with cows mewing and buzz, uh, you know, and buzz saws. <laughs> you know, you can't do it. Um, the best foundations for a popular modern song. And where we've, maybe where we've spoken about every other song, you know, oh, I'd love to just hear an instrumental version of this. <laughs> this is the one I wouldn't want, the instrumental version. <laughs> oh, it's okay once, like, the first minute goes away. Yeah, so It's very yeah, interesting, yeah. like, revolving sort of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind um, of hypnotic. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, the reason it probably makes me laugh and all that kind of thing a little bit is because I'm literally the anti-Morrissey in regards of vegetarianism. Well, there's a, there's a quote for the podcast. That's how we advertise it now. <laughs> mm. um, and I, I might say... Morrissey, Martin, John, McDonnell. I might say a few <laughs> things in this next bit that um, may get us in trouble with Petter. Um, <laughs> um, right, long story short, um, from the age of 13 up to the age of... 18, um, I worked in a butcher store as a Saturday lad. So, um, bastard. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally the anti Morrissey. I, you know, I enjoy eating meat. I see nothing wrong with eating meat um, at any level. And, you know, everyone's entitled to do what they want to do, but I hate it when it's rammed down my throat by people. Um, so, I mean, like homosexuality. Well, you hate it when it's rammed down your throat. <laughs> oh, um, let's let's stop with the gay jokes. Okay. Yeah, um, I guess more what it's getting at is the consumeristic values of meeting, like how readily available it is and yeah. how removed from the source and the context it is. Like if you go to yeah. a butcher's, then obviously it's very grounded what you're getting and oh yeah and of course see um, that it's from an animal and comparatively if yeah. you get it like in a supermarket and you get like chicken nuggets or yeah or like things a called like a tray yeah sirloin steak to make it sound you know fancier than uh part of a cow's butt or whatever <laughs> <laughs> well um, to be fair rump steak does what it says on the tin <laughs> yeah yeah I, I like to buy my rump steak in tins too <laughs> yeah um welcome to the gig economy <laughs> uh, i recently no not it was a few years ago now but i attended a wedding um where the main meal was a hog roast but nine months previously they had chosen their own pig from a, a collection of piglets that were around in there and they said oh i want that one that is so, a little bit <laughs> creepy but they named I mean <laughs> by the same degree um if you I suppose this is what a you know vegan vegetarian would argue you know if if you're happy to eat meat you can't be unhappy at picking one out from a cloud and saying I want that killed yeah yeah I guess people um, just from it for I, I leave that decision to people who know what the good ones taste like yeah, <laughs> I just like I wouldn't, I wouldn't know simply by looking at them what. Yeah, what would make for a tasty dish? <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I mean, as I say, I did five years working in the butcher store. We actually specialised in exotic meats, so I've eaten some crazy, crazy things in my time. Um, wow. I've had like, sorry, like dogs. Um, no, never dog. Ah, okay. that's so strangely enough, them. like illegal. <laughs> what? Um, really? Yeah, yeah. How? Why? Okay, now I'm on Petter's side. <laughs> 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 why are dogs illegal <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me I guess to imply that they're more intelligent than other ones but I guess the main thing is um, more people believe that animals aren't as intelligent as they are so if, mm. if they say that dogs are intelligent well like pigs can't be loving and stuff like that it's, it's, it's to do with the domestication isn't it as well um, same reason in, in the UK people don't eat horse um but if you go to france it's it's seen as a food source yeah yeah because maybe um in the uk horses have always been kind of considered something that you could keep as a pet yeah you say it's um, about intelligence though but my dog was an absolute dumbass <laughs> <laughs> what type of dog i was a king charles spaniel <laughs> Did you ever oh, look at one. him and go, oh, he'd look good on a plate? <laughs> no, no, I no, I never thought that. But no, Only for um, a nice Instagram pic. <laughs> <laughs> Get a before and after shot, one one with the dog and then one with the meal that he creates. <laughs> I thought it had some pretty cool lyrics, though. Like, the flesh you so fancifully fried. Absolutely, no, absolutely. It was a very yeah. powerful song. Um, yeah. And to be perfectly honest, like my my view on like veganism, vegetarianism, yeah, they're probably right, but I'd, I'm not strong-willed enough to do it. Mm. <laughs> and see, that's, you know, that's for me to be that. You know, that's yeah. me. Just yeah, I'm probably a bit of a shit. See, I, I, I'm probably too headstrong in my views. Yeah. vegetarianism and veganism like yeah, I, mean, I, I, I kind of get exactly where they're coming from whether it's yeah. the animal rights angle or the it's better for the planet angle yeah and and that one makes even more sense mm-hmm. well, um, depending on what animal it is because like some sources of vegetarianism can create a lot of like use of water well, yeah. as well. and then there's the transport costs and yeah um, the import costs especially fungal-based diets, because uh, fungi requires so much water in order to grow it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, throughout, like, my sort of t- sort of teens and some, even like, my early 20s, like, I just recall, like, having so many kind of intense debates with vegans and vegetarians, most of whom are, like, mates, you know, <laughs> And the one recurring kind of thing was them like battering you with information and facts. That's you know, the thing. Commas. Um, they yeah. will have researched it far more than any meat eater has. Yeah, of course. Um, but the one take home, like pretty much like at the end of these kind of debates with, um, you know, most of them is, you know, was always, um, I'm never going to win you over you know they just realized in the long run they were never gonna change my mind on things uh yeah so i mean i 
used to um, write for a magazine called Hit the Floor, um, and Chris, the editor, um, is like a proper, I'd, I'd say militant vegan. Um, like he's the sort of guy who'll turn up at uh, meat processing plants or abattoirs um, and protest at the gates and like film them and live stream, you know. Um, yeah. I can't say for certain if he's ever broken into an abattoir, but I wouldn't put it past him. Okay. Um, and that's um, none of this is said with any disrespect to Chris, you know. But me and him are so far apart on our views in terms of um, vegetarianism. You know, it's crazy. But um, yeah, we've once spent five days at Reading Festival together. And the whole time he was like trying to win me on. And in the end, even he turned around and went, I've, I've, I've at least got everyone I've ever spoken to about it in, in sort of in depth um, to at least try veganism. But I'm never going to win you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never bringing you to the cause. Um, yeah. Like... I was, you know, maybe a bit childish about it, but um, I think I've earned the right, having sort of been close enough to the trade and involved enough in the trade you to at least sort of have say... An understanding of what goes into it. Yeah, exactly. If, you know, if you can work five years in the industry and still be okay with it, then I don't think anything's going to change your mind. Yeah. Do you feel like it's completely something that you've not, like, moved on? Or do you think, like, you've got a bit more, like... Not at a all. conscience for it, or like you limit your um, consumption at all? No, no, not at all. Um, I mean, even since, like, obviously, when you're 13, you know, your, your considerations are a little bit different, you know, perhaps financially as well, you know. But when, whenever I've had the money or that kind of thing, I all, especially if I'm like using fresh meat, you know, like for meals, like prep, you know, so I'm making a meal from scratch. So it's yeah. not just like chicken nuggets or something like that. Then I always try and buy it as ethically as possible. Yeah. Um, okay. So local, you know, local butchers are probably the best place to get your meat. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, obviously, everything's a financial consideration, and sometimes yeah. it's convenience as mm. well. Uh, you know, I can't always get to a butcher's, you know, because of the sort of, especially when I'm working, the sort of shift patterns at work and things like that. Um, but. You know, in the perfect world, if I had the time and a little bit more money, I'd definitely buy free range from a butcher's. Yeah. That's one thing that's different about Sweden. You don't get, like, your local high street butcher. There's so like is, none it of just, is it all just supermarket? Yeah, you might, like, get, you know, like, you get a deli section of supermarket. You might get, like, a little butcher section with, like, cuts of meat there. Yeah. But you wouldn't get, like, your standalone butcher shop. Yeah, it's, it's, well, maybe it's, in like certain parts, but not like in a widespread like by city area. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's in Sweden. Is it kind of a lot of like sort of the meat produce and stuff like that? Is that produced in Sweden or is it import? Um, it's usually a mix between Denmark or Sweden. So Denmark's okay. got like worse like animal like rights qualities so a lot of people buy the local stuff to uh, because, be more ethical uh, yeah. yeah but yeah um i see yeah yes yeah, so, i mean this has been uh meat is murder by the smiths um <laughs> of the themes as well i like it yeah um, i mean what's everyone's sort of takes of the album overall 
go to you first. Surprised, but it got passed for label. You know, like at the time that they would like give it a green light. Um, like that heavier political stance to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can put some context on that. Um, they were signed to Rough Trade, um, and Rough Trade's big thing was they're an independent label who gave as much autonomy to the artist as possible. They used to okay. split, um, the, the profit split was quite generous to the artists as well. Um, I don't think it's 50-50, but it might have been somewhere along those lines. Um, and the Smiths recorded... Uh, the grand majority of the albums and singles um, under Rough Trade. And then just before they broke up, they signed to, I think, EMI, but I could be wrong on that regard. Um, but they signed to a major label because they were getting annoyed at the um, distribution issues in particular that Rough Trade were having in terms of getting enough of their records to the stores in order to sell the quantities. Mm. Yeah. Um, but as a result of being in on rough trade, they never had execs turning up and going, "Oh, this is a bit much." Um, well, the title is pretty misleading. That's not a rough trade at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I really like the music. Uh, I wasn't always keen on Morty's vocals, but at the same time, like I respect them, and I respect that he's like really individualistic with his style. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I like it. Just not when he gets so yodely and stuff. Or, yeah. or he has this way of like uh, sustaining vocals where he's like going a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, for me, that's just it is a very, very good album. It might not be the best thing the Smiths have ever done, but it's a good album all the same. Yeah. As an album, it's a real yeah. album. I mean, album. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm probably, I might, as I say, for the reasons we've already gone into, I, I might be one of the few voices saying this, but I, I feel it could have done without the last track. Um, I, I just feel if you're going to kind of go down that route, it needs to be a bit more consistent across the album. Like the rest of the songs feel like they kind of lyrically in some way go into each other a little bit. You know, there's shared lyrical threads um, and that just feels a bit tapped on. You know, it might have been better as a B side. That's what I'm saying. I, I, so I can see what you're saying with that, but I don't know if you could sustain an entire album based off of that one song and the things it does. I think it would, no. the album would become very boring. Yeah. It was, no, 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 no. I, I, I know what you mean. Um, if you're going to put it anywhere, put it at the end of the album as a big one to go out on. Yeah, I mean, it's a statement. There's no denying that. Yeah, and there's also the point that, yeah, yeah. And the, would it have got as much commercial appeal if it wasn't for like this yeah. giant statement? Yeah, well, that's the thing. If it's hidden away on the B side, it wouldn't be the statement that Dan were trying to make. Mm-hmm. No, I, uh, I, I, I think I disagree on balance. I think it belongs there. I think some of the themes explored in that are reflected in themes of the other songs, even if the actual musical stylings are completely different. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I'm perfectly happy to have it there. Uh, and yeah. Um, overall, I really enjoyed the album. I, I, I haven't heard any, I don't think I've heard a Smith's song before. I assume that they've all got the sort of <laughs> lyrical sort of balance to it. I don't so recognize- can you just do that again? 
<laughs> it's like when you get an unexpected tickle. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. more like when you get, like your cat's trying to. I've done not. I own a cat, but how I imagine it, like when the cat's trying to get the food before you put it in the bowl. <laughs> that, that's that. Uh, depends on the cat. This is, yeah. like, this is a higher pitch. Yeah. Mark. Yeah, it's, when, it's when the cold shower comes on. I'm not expecting it. That's, 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 that's the analogy. That's the one that's going to stick. <laughs> uh, no, I no, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, li- I liked it. Are, are we doing some sort of rating system for these, or are we? Gonna... Uh, yeah, um, I think what we'll do is um, we'll do top three tracks, um, and if you've got a least favorite track, also. So let's say top two tracks and least favorite track. Okay, cool. Um, I'll go first. Um, top two tracks. That joke isn't funny anymore. Really enjoyed that one. And I definitely meet his murder as well. I, I, like, things that, I like things that stand out, I think. Um, that's for me. So those are the two tracks. I don't have a least favourite one. I think they were all very good. So okay. I won't pick one. On to Harry. I'll probably say the best track is Barbarians and Begins at Home. Uh, just that would be, that would really be great jam. Um, yeah. I kind of want to say Headmaster Ritual for the second one, but maybe it's just because like, it's the opening track and you hear it a lot. Mm. But at the same time, it has all that yodely stuff at the end, which I'm not too fond of. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe go with a Froggy Rocky. That joke isn't funny anymore. Like, why? Uh-huh. Uh, any least favorites? Uh, maybe ruffians. Uh, yeah, there aren't. I don't think there are any that stand out as stinkers. No, I mean that's that's always a sign of a good album, isn't it? Yeah, some just don't stand out as much, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, top two, um, quite easy for me. Um, uh, that joke isn't funny anymore, and uh, barbarism begins at home. I was really that tempted. Baseline to... just slaps. I am yeah. <laughs> literally slapping that bass. Yeah, slapping the bass. Um, as for worst tracks, um, as I say, I've kind of said it already. Meat is murder. I just feel maybe it just doesn't fit the theme rest of the rest of the album. That's just my opinion. Hmm. And as we know, like my the... opinion is wrong. It's like an ominous cloud hanging over the album, like. The first time you listen to it, you're waiting for it to come along. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's, it's. I think it's also being built up into something, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, um, there's a kind of critic's reputation of all oh, that track fucking hits. You know, so you, you you're waiting for that track to come along, and it's sort of you know you're going, yeah, well, you know, this is musically a bit upbeat. Oh, that this is bad, and then you get to Barbaros and begins at home you're like, oh fucking hell, that you know, that's got a <laughs> fucking cracking riff, and then suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> are you enjoying yourself <laughs> a little what, bit it's like more. you know yeah it's, it's like a crack on the head is what you get for enjoying yourself <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um do you, it, do you think they deliberately put it at the end as a bit of a fuck you to listeners i wouldn't put it past Morrissey to do something like that yeah could be uh it's, I guess it's, it's like the one that you can skip for most as well, like if you're not so fond yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the other part, I suppose, with the sequencing is how the fuck do you follow that? 
Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what song are you going to put after that? It would reduce you know, the impact for sure. Yeah. I mean, even if you put like something like Barbara's Megan's at home, you know, you, you kind of, it, 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 it's, it's even worse almost because you kind of go in, you know, Moo, Buzz, Kill, you know, and then suddenly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know what I mean? You can't win. So it kind of, if it had to be on the album, it had to be at the end. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But scores, (laughs) anyway, scores. Um, How how was everyone rating this? 7.5. Okay. Are we out out of tenning or are we starring? We are out of tenning. 7.5. Can we do 0.5s? I'll let you have it. Okay. I mean, if, if it's if there isn't if there isn't point fives, then it's an eight. I'll allow point fives, but if you get into point two point five, you're getting a slap around the head. <laughs> seven point. I mean, it would be more like seven point eight. So you know, we'll, go, <laughs> we'll call it an eight then. <laughs> You've answered your own question. Let's um, call it. Let's call it. Okay, Harry. Uh, if I judged it just on the music alone, I think. It would be a lot higher from a fader otherwise. Um, and like the lyrics of it are pretty amazing too. Yeah. But the thing is, wish someone else had something. isn't my can of rump steak. So I'm going to have to say seven. <laughs> seven. Um, literally, um, same as Harry. Like, it'd probably be an eight if it weren't for the cunt at the top. <clears throat> um, so it's got to be a seven. Like, unfortunately, when I hear this album now, I just think of the stupid shit that comes out of Morrissey's mouth. Yeah, see, yeah. with I, I, I don't have as much uh, familiarity with with this with his infamy. All right, I've I've heard of him, and I've heard of him in slightly negative context. Yeah. but I don't know what any of it is. So. No. You're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> His infamy was literally the only context I had going into this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like some of the things he's said and done are just so ugly, it's beyond belief. Um, I mean, there's um, one of the ones that sticks out for me. I think it was one of the less publicized things that he said as well. But he, he basically said, oh, um, Me Too culture. Um in regards to that, he said, oh, basically a lot of these people who are accusing people of sexual, you know, inappropriateness are just yeah. jealous that he didn't get all the way of them. Or words oh. to that effect. All right, I'm going to change my score to a seven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I, be- I better be careful here because, you know, this is a public forum, so to speak. So I should yeah. probably just double check the quote. So I don't get done for libel. <laughs> <laughs> but it, was, it was something to that effect, though. Is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like it was. It's worse to that effect. I don't want to say um, like. Oh, here. Okay. It was. It was basically in regards to like Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Yeah. You know how Kevin Spacey was a bit rapey towards young kids. Mm. Um. But, um, yeah, um, he argued that the definitions of harassment and assault have become too broad. Um, one, um, this is what he had to say in regards to the Kevin Spacey thing. Um, as far as I know, he's Spacey, that is, 
uh, was in a bedroom of a 14-year-old. Kevin Spacey was 26, boy 14. One wonders where the boy's parents were. One wonders if the boy did not know what would happen. Uh, no, if you're 14, you don't know. <laughs> this changes that Well, I That's Wonder why. song yeah. completely. When you the there's a legal age of consent. <laughs> yeah, uh, continuing on. Um, when you're in yeah. someone's bedroom, you have to be aware of where it, that can lead to. That's why it doesn't sound very credible to me. It seems to me that Spacey has been attacked unnecessarily. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't recognise the power dynamic at play at all. No. <laughs> Um, but yeah, as I say, just an absolute scumbag. <laughs> um, and that's, and that's without, without politics. Yeah, um, and that's without appearing on stage with skinheads um, performing a song called National Front Disco. When he does, oh, so stage. ironic, you know. Um, disco, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it, as I say, just <sighs> yeah. From what he, I understand, like his views are like in complete polarity to the rest of the band, kind of. Yeah, like, yeah. The other I mean, members are really nice. Um, Johnny Johnny Marr is pretty much known as one of the nicest guys in the industry. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, he shares not politically, but like ethics. He shares a lot of the same views as Morrissey. He's, he's vegetarian himself, for yeah. instance. But you know. Um, just polar opposites in sort of the way they address things. Sure. Yeah, I guess like you're scaled back a bit in the Smiths and then I don't know yeah. his solo career, but I'm guessing he's a bit more front. Um, don't get me wrong, like Johnny Marr can be politically active lyrically as well. Like in his solo works, there are stuff that comes in at political um, figures, especially the Conservative government. Um, I mean, he quite famously, um, David Cameron said that, um, I think it was The Queen is Dead, but it might be Meet His Murder, is his favourite album. Oh yeah, he was forbidden from liking The Smiths. So Johnny Marr forbade him publicly from ever listening to The Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he does like stag hunting and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, other, other things that just make me laugh in regards to Marcy, and we went into this very, very slightly earlier on, um, was the fact that Morrissey wrote a novel. Oh, yeah. What was that novel about? Okay, so the um, novel was called List of the Lost. And List it was basically... Yeah. It was basically about four Boston Relay runners who are cursed by an old man in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, I can't say I've read the book in full. But okay, I, I do remember. I do remember this from the time. Um, it actually won the um, bad sex award. The bad sex a, award. Yeah, it's it's a literature award for really badly written sex scenes. <laughs> God. Um, okay. The scene in question reads: At this, Eliza and Ezra rolled together into one giggling snowball of full-figured copulation screaming and shouting as they playfully bit and pulled at each other in a dangerous and clamorous roller coaster coil of sexually violent rotation with Eliza's breasts barrel rolled across Ezra's howling mouth and the pained frenzy of his bulbous salutation extenuating his excitement as it whacked and smacked its way into every muscle of Eliza's body except for the otherwise central zone 
I'm what? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Is that a single sentence? Um, there is so there is so little. Um, there was so much sentence in that sentence. It just sounds like two people. There is flailing. literally one comment at comma in that whole bit I read. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to kind of read it as you know as it sat. But you it know, needed some know, pauses somewhere. You know that meme that goes like, oh, yo, dog, I heard you like sentences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your sentence. That's, that's what yeah. that is. <laughs> Imagery is just awful. I know. Even the names are like basically identical. Yeah. Like the Ezra. Or maybe <laughs> I mean, it's like. It might be a metaphor for like self love. Yeah. You know, you I mean, bulbous salutation. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, that's imagery. It's a, like a metaphor for an erect penis. Is it now, David? I, you know what? Don't ask me to read Morrissey's mind. That's just what I got from it, okay? You got an erect penis from it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, read, I read that and I was instantly ready for action. <laughs> oh, um, you know what? I heard you reading it and then I was ready. That's how it went. How I never got a job as a voiceover artist, I'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But yeah. Morrissey's uh, novel. Um, yeah, there is. Um, well, I don't know about the novel, but there's definitely an audiobook version of um, the autobiography. autobiography, but it's not read by him. Oh. Um, really if memory by. serves, it's read by uh, the actor David Morrissey. <laughs> um, but let me just double check that <laughs> I can't tell if that's a joke or not <laughs> It feels like it is But I'm, I'm it sure like, like a pastime, doesn't it? Um, I'm sure it was like Some like You know what I mean Actor who Yeah David Morrissey <laughs> um, The actor um, I'm trying to remember what he's in uh, Noah Boy, uh, Centurion. Um, I've seen Dead. Nowhere Boy, yeah. Um, is he in The Walking Dead? I've just getting things. Yeah, it says the third, fourth, and fifth season. He was the governor. Ah, okay. I'm just trying yeah. to think. I just say, I'm not as big on films as the rest of you guys, so it's going to be a bit more difficult for me to remember things. Um, uh, oh, he was in um, Red Riding as well. But yeah, he's been in things that people may have seen if they actually watch films and television like you yeah. guys do. Um, yeah, so if you if you ever wondered who uh, did the audiobook for Morrissey's autobiography, it was David Morrissey. Yeah. The thing oh. is, he's not like... If you, if you remember nothing else from this podcast... <laughs> <laughs> but supposedly Morrissey like picked him out, you know what I mean? It wasn't like... It seems like it he like went for a, a list of names. Yeah. No, he literally I went, I, I want David Marcy to do it. And it's such a weird name <laughs> to pick out the hat. It's, it's, it's almost like you went, all right, Marcy can't. Well, I'm Marcy and I can't do it. Let's get another <laughs> Marcy. <laughs> he probably looked at the name and thought, I can see a lot of myself in this. <laughs> <laughs> but as I say, it's... it's um, with no disrespect to David Morrissey, but he's not the biggest name actor in the world, is he? No, he's probably cheap then. 
But you know, in the way the way I look at it, um, if you look at like David Bowie, like his spokesperson of sorts, you know, when he was out of the public eye, was Gary Oldman. Like that's you high know, profile. Yeah. Whereas you know, so he's he's got like the high profile actor, and then Morrison, Morrissey, maybe you know, it's just yeah. like. All right, we'll get the guy off of the uh, TV show Blackpool. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> Trump booking Kid Rock or whatever. <laughs> well, this is the thing with this um, inauguration concert last night. It was like, you know, they managed to get like the Foo Fighters, uh, John Bon Jovi, mm, um, John Legend, Bruce Springsteen. Um, Trump failed so badly to get acts for his um, inauguration that... He couldn't even um, secure the booking of a Bruce Springsteen uh, tribute band. <laughs> <laughs> um, they actually they were booked and then they cancelled on him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that shows kind of just how... I imagine it'd be the same if, like, Morrissey ran for power here. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like hyping up a Smiths reunion and instead we'd get like, you know, him and David Morrissey performing I Got You, Babe. Which <laughs> 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 is well, now like is... going to be ingrained in my head forever. <laughs> I like the idea that they do meet his murder, but they get like realistic sounds. They get an actual buzz sort <laughs> and an actual cow on stage. <laughs> and then and then Morrissey's just led away in a street jacket. <laughs> and as he leaves, he's just like woof, woof, woof. <laughs> <laughs> at everyone. But anyway, um on that note. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, yeah. Uh, there is a way of enjoying the Smiths without having to think too much about Morrissey. Um and thankfully that is through Johnny Marr, who can actually sing pretty okay. Um, so I'll just play a little bit of a live Mar performance. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's passable at the very least. Yeah, he's like, no offence to the guy, he's not as good a singer as Mr. Morrissey. No, um, but he's not a singer no. by trade. It's damn no. impressive to play playing guitar and sing at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and to be but I fair, guess at this point it's like clockwork when you played it live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, also to be fair, like we've yeah. already kind of gone over the facts several times. Morrissey does have a very distinctive vocal. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So you have to replicate to, it. The songs yeah, are get, written to get with that close in replication, but not completely ape it at the same time. I think that's quite impressive for someone who's not right. a singer by trade. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Know. So those KXB sessions are always so well like engineered. Oh the yeah, yeah. And them amazing. Yeah. Um, props to KEXP, um, who are probably now going to sue us. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, um, yeah, I think that was quite good. As I say, a very nice. guilt-free way of listening to oh. uh, Johnny Marr. <laughs> um, well, and uh, no, there's no never any guilt in Johnny Marr to be clear, um, a guilt-free <laughs> way of listening to the Smiths. And I think that's a good kind of note to wrap it up on. Yeah, uh, yeah, a, a joyous end. Yeah, um, instead of, yeah. you know, instead of the kind of the note we were going to end on, which was 
we like the Smiths, but Morrissey's a cunt. Yeah. Um, instead, we can just sort of end on the note of, I like the Smiths, and Johnny Marr is a dude. Johnny Marr. <laughs> He's a dude. Our average score was somewhere between seven and eight. Um, did I actually? Yeah, I gave it a seven, didn't I? Yeah, you yeah. did. I think we were all sort of, we all I think we all wanted to give it an eight, but like the more we hear, yeah. the yeah. less we want to give. I mean, it. are you still sitting with your eight, or did you revise? No, I I would. I'm judging the album purely on its own merit. Yeah, which it's the it's the fair way of doing it. Yeah. Well, this is so the kind I, of interesting. I, I mean, this is the interesting thing, I suppose, with this format is you're coming in so new to all these albums yeah so you know you you are a fresh set of ears Mm -hmm. um and i mean hopefully across the long run we'll we'll see how maybe you know you appreciate different things a bit more you know a thousand and one albums later it is going to be somewhat (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um i mean i suppose this is the point in which we should select our next album yeah yes um, here we go. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I've got to We should explain to uh, our listeners how we select our album. And basically, done through the book 1001 Elms You Must Hear Before You Die, which is um, edited by general editor Robert Dimery. Um, we are using the 2009 edition, with the last album featured being in 2007. So when I say that we've got Harry on to talk about things released this century, we literally mean seven years. Yeah, there's not going to be much. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is enter in a uh, the page number range into the number generator. Um, so there's 949, 949, get random number. Our number is 329, so that's our page number. Oh. 329. So, no, I've got 70, sir. Oh, 1974, to be precise. Now, this is the thing. 329 isn't actually an album. It's a picture, but it's connected to an album. So I'm going to go yeah. off the fact it's like a double-page spread. I was going to say, Fucking I weird think it's an unrelated. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a picture of a cow being slaughtered. Like Morrissey was here. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't let the album in unless they did that. <laughs> um, no, I reckon this one's going to be a really fun one. Okay, and it might even be one that Wiley might have a bit of background on. Oh shit! Um, it's um, an album by Queen. Oh fuck! Oh, I might um, have heard some of the songs. It's Sheer Heart Attack. Sheer Heart Attack. Yeah. Um, I believe it's the second album, but I could be wrong. Okay. okay. Um, All right, I've written that down. I'm going to remember it, and I'm going to listen to the right one this time. <laughs> and, and we're not to change our minds, okay? No, no, no. This is done dusted. <laughs> it is Next week's episode is Sheer Heart Attack. And uh, we'll leave it at that. So, yeah, um, hopefully you've enjoyed our random ramblings and mutterings and um, semi-libelous slaps at Morrissey. Uh, Join us next week when we'll be attacking Brian May. (laughs) He's the sweetheart Um, of rock and roll. He's also a bit of a badger bobber. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
but we'll go into that next week. Um, I've been Martin John McDonnell, and I'm sure I will be next week. Um, farewell from me. And uh, if you guys just want to say goodbye. Yeah, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And uh, David, I'm Harry. See you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, see you next week. See you next week. See you.